This is Griffin Yao, and you're listening to RFK Refugees. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. RFK Refugees podcast. Ted here, John here, rejoining you uh, after the holiday break. Uh, John, man, how, how was your Thanksgiving? I hope you, I hope you had a good one. I did. It was small. I think like probably 98% of people's hopefully, uh, their, their Thanksgiving, but it was nice. It was a good chance to get together with my mom who watches our kid during the week. So she's in, she's in the bubble. Yeah. The, the bubble is small, but she's in the bubble. How was yours? It was good. Uh, small, small again, uh, just with the in-laws family didn't travel to, uh, Harrisonburg to see, to see my other family. So pretty, pretty small. Thanksgiving, um, people people we see regularly on a regular basis anyway. So no, trying not to immunocompromise or. Um, it's weird in a pandemic. Yeah. There's like social currency to being a shut in or not or not traveling <laughs> to see your family. It's the only time where it's like, yeah, I didn't do anything or go anywhere or see anyone. And I'm like, good job, man. Way to yeah. go. Way to do your part. <laughs> it's the only yeah, exactly. time that's true. <laughs> exactly. Uh, everybody, I hope I hope everybody's safe. I hope everybody is. Uh, hunkered in. Watch, watch, watch the soccer. There, there's plenty on. I've got, uh, oops, I've got Chivas versus America, uh, the Liga MX female uh, playoffs. Uh, so yeah, fun, fun times. The uh, lot, lots of soccer on to watch around the world. We got Champions League tomorrow. Just, just stay inside. Just stay inside. For like let, let the, let the six people, more let months. the pe- let the people who can get a test every hour of every day do the risking for us. Um, and, and we can just sit back and enjoy it. Though apparently some team, some games had fans like playoff games, MLS playoff games. We'll get into that. Uh, but we're here to talk about DC and we're here to talk about the, the team and there, there's, uh, some news has dropped. Let's start with the, with the big news of the day. Uh, the roster deadline day, 1 PM to decide whether you're going to, uh, um, exercise some options. Not too many surprises on the DC front. Uh, when you're a bad team, sometimes those aren't very surprising. Um, right. But uh, but there, there's some interest. There's some interesting moves. Let's say that uh, they exercise options on four players. Joseph Mora, not surprising. Junior Moreno, not surprising. Jordi Reyna, a little surprising. Ulysses Segura, I think a little surprising for me. Um, I don't know if that's a we have the option. We pick up his option and then we can trade him. We can do something else. I don't know, but um, he's here. Uh, maybe, maybe it's they look at hey, it's it's still a cheap move, a cheap depth player that we can utilize. Uh, they received a uh, they gave a bona fide offer to Chris Odiatsum, so he'll definitely be back. Uh, options declined. Mohamed Abu, not surprising. A, a little, a little bit of a shame because I he was one of the sort of in that doldrum of awfulness, sort of to close out Ben Olsen's tenure at DC. Seventy five percent of the season. If yes, specifically, but <laughs> but uh, but he he was kind of a he was kind of a bright spot. Um, Earl Edwards Jr. O'Neill Fisher a little bit surprising in that regard. Uh, Felipe Martins surprising in the sense that maybe there wasn't an offer already ready for him. Um, you have speculated that you think he's going to be back. Yep. Uh, we have Gilman Rivas. A uh, little surprising there from considering his contracts and, and maybe he's a cheap option. We'll see if he if he if they negotiate an offer for him. Uh, I, I don't uh, one player I don't think we'll see back is uh, Alex Shoreberg. Uh, I don't think we'll be seeing him back 
in the uh, in the black and red. A short, short tenure. He joins the list of players that DC signs. I forget who was that player they signed from like FC Dallas who was a defender. Oh, like, uh, Pedroso. Martinez yeah, Pedroso. Pedroso, who was real bad. <laughs> real bad, real bad. And was also it? real expensive, too. He was like, I think, three or four thousand dollars, too. Yeah, yeah. But he was very nice. He loved being a tourist in DC. I respect that. He was, he, he definitely got his money worth. Yeah. Uh, let's do, you know, in a season, in an off season where there's no games to go, let's go through this a little slower. Yeah. Let's go through. Let's, let's let's go back through these one at a time, just in, just to give our. I want to give the time. overview, and then we can discuss. Sure. That's how we right. work. Fine. Fair enough. Back to back to the players. We uh, an option was exercised on. Joseph Moore is a, a complete no brainer. <clears throat> Excuse me. Complete no brainer. Uh, probably uh, top 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 third in the league at left back uh, in MLS. So you keep him. I think that's. I, I think yeah, that last season was not his best season, but uh, it was no one's best season. Really, there, there, there were flashes. There were legitimate sure. flashes, especially towards the end of the year. Once, once, uh, once it was Ashton's show, um, I thought he showed a lot. Um, he got injured less than he usually does, yes. and usually it's not his fault. Like his injuries are not nagging muscle injuries. They're like getting punched in the face or getting getting karate kicked in the ankle. Like it's just that's the kind of things that happen to him. So I think Joseph Moore is a no brainer. That's good. Great. Uh, Junior Moreno, I think that is another one that makes sense to me. I think that even if, uh, I, I you know, whoever the coach is, I imagine, is going to still want to have a stout defensive midfielder that maybe isn't too focused on the attack, particularly if we're going to play with two forwards the way we did uh, in Chad Ashton's sort of the end of his career. Or, or no, I don't want to say the end of it. We'll get, we'll get back to that. Um, uh, there are lots of people, uh, fans uh, of the team, who are maybe not – so enamored with Junior Moreno, uh, one of them uh, is a is a big time fan and owns uh, multiple RFK Refugees T-shirts. So he's a I love him a lot. Uh, but I, I think that the, I think that he is a player that is reasonably priced, uh, somewhat dependable. You kind of know what you're going to get out of him. I don't think I, I, at this point I don't think you're really, you know, expecting the world. And for, to the Muhammad Abu would have displaced him. I think by the way he was playing, if he was if he was healthy, I think he would have probably taken his spot. So. It's fine, right? I, I mean, it's fine. Okay. At the very least, like I said, Junior Moreno does have a certain sense of value. He, he has played very well, very well for the Venezuelan national team. Um, I, I, have, I, I defended him on the last show. You look at some of the stat breakdowns. It's, it's things that maybe don't show up on, on the score sheet. Um, I've also been a long time, you know, Michael Bradley defender uh, for a long time. And I feel like that's sort of in the same category. People pick out. One or two moments maybe where he misplays a pass or doesn't hustle back quick enough because he's being asked to do so much in that position. Um, I, I think I think Junior Murray does yes, his 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 patented shot at the top of the key type of situation that flies over the bar. I I know that I remember like back when I was in college, there was a basketball player who was a notoriously bad shooter. And one time he pulled up for a three pointer and the whole crowd just screams no. Uh, and, and he actually made that funny enough. So of <laughs> that's how it works. But that's what you feel like with Junior Marina. Every time that every time that ball comes to the cop of the D, I know he's gonna shoot it. And I'm like, no, don't don't uh, yeah, you did. Okay. Field goal, three points. Um just trying to waste some time, really. Yeah. Just trying to <laughs> just trying to have him go fish the ball out of the particularly when the stands are empty, it it delays game a little bit. Yeah. Um, I, I think that defensive midfielders are among the hardest to evaluate on uh, a, a players on their own, uh, particularly on a bad team. Yeah, uh, I think it's it's a, it's a challenge, and you really have to lean on the stats. And the stats often sort of exonerate him. So I think that the things that are visible are the things like not getting forward and then shooting very poorly. And I think that's you know that's what sticks in a lot of people's minds. And I don't blame them. All right. Yeah. 
Next player, Jordi Reyna, uh, the the mid to late season edition from Vancouver, uh, is retained. So this there's a couple of reasons why this is interesting. One, uh, he is not cheap, uh, and I believe he's I think he's on like a half a million next year, five fifty, uh, I believe. Oh, we can we can consult that later. But the the interesting thing is there's a kicker in the trade that brought him here is that when we offered him the extension or when we picked up the option, we gave Vancouver more money. Um, so then it's a question of like, all right, so obviously I think that that means they, they view him as a player for this team and not a trade shit because otherwise you're going to have to get the value of the player plus the value of the kicker plus hopefully more than that. Otherwise, why are you trading him um, in order to, to come out ahead? So that's, that's the only that's that's my concern with the calculus there. Here, so, here, so here's the thing. Here, here's the thing about that. So it, Okay, his option, I don't know what his option does or what, how much that kicks into his salary, whether that makes him a designated player. Um, I don't know if Tam. the team... Still going to be Tam. Still going to be Tam. Um, but in all sense of purposes, he's not as expensive as other players out there in the league. And I would argue $500,000 is a little is still a little bit on the cheap side for like the main piece of your attacking core. Uh, when you have teams playing for paying for Carlos Vela, paying for you know chicharito hernandez those types of players uh th- those types of players are our top primo top of the line players wayne rooney's a top of the line player we had last year i i would argue his his salary yes it's for the cap it's it's on the high margin but overall expenditures and you got to remember too even if you don't get even the most i guess offer yes a percentage of that would go to mls it would not go to the team but really in all all, all realities He's a TAM player, so MLS is paying his salary, not the owners. Uh, so it, it, it's it's the sort of single entity. I don't think it would take as much as you would think um, to sell him on. I, I am I am about 60-40. I'm about 60%. He's probably going to be here next year. Uh, 40%, he will, they will find a South American team that would be willing to pay three, four million dollars for him and they'll say, Yep, we'll take that. That's money back in our that's money back in our pockets. Um he, he's a stable for the previous national team. He's still I would a- I would take that three million I would snap their arm <laughs> off if they, if if that was the offer. So I have I have updated here. So here's here was the here's the numbers in the trade. Uh the trade was four hundred thousand in twenty twenty one allocation money to, to Vancouver for Reina. Um we also got an international roster spot only for twenty twenty. So it reverts to twenty twenty one. Uh there are lots of we can go over that later in the in the winter when we're really bored about where the international roster spots situation sits. Uh, but additionally, should DC United sign him to a new, new contract, trade him, or transfer him in 2021, Vancouver will collect additional compensation not disclosed. Last year, he made $700,000, which is in the top tier of DC salaries, probably putting him third or fourth behind uh, Hamid, Ariola. Um, I think, isn't Ola making a lot of money? Yeah, Ola, Ola's, Ola's, Ola's in the high. Yeah, the high. I, I don't know what the exact figures are, but definitely you're in the high. So he's he is. I mean, they've got to they've got to feel pretty good about him. Um, they must have felt pretty good about him to make the acquisition. The general manager who brought him over is still here, so mm-hmm. he's definitely got. I mean, if I'm him, I would like to give myself time to be proven right on him. <laughs> that's probably that's the way I would view it. I'm like, well, I'm not going to be wrong on this. So let's see what he gives us for a full year, and I'll, I'll pay yeah. what it costs. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so next on the list is uh, Ulysses Segura, Costa Rican. Uh, another na- so all these are national team players, uh, either Costa Rica, Venezuela, or Peru. Um, Ulysses had an injury to end last year. It was a calf strain that cost him like uh, two months. Uh, he was in he was in the walk not the walking boot, but he was in the uh, 
the the leg vacuum pack uh, inflatable boot thing that all the players seem to be in all the time. Um, Segura, a longtime Ben Olsen favorite, to the chagrin <laughs> of many people, particularly when he played with Ron Forward or Forward. Um, it, it's I think that it's it's very likely that this team sees him as affordable depth that knows the team, uh, particularly in a transitional year with a new coach. Uh, it makes sense to me. I think Segura always makes sense to me if he's not a starter and if he's not a forward. I think if you, I think if you utilize him as a rotational player and you utilize him in the midfield, there's there's something to be said about about his abilities on the field. That's that's how I felt about him this season. And 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 also in, in another in another sense about him, it, it does feel like I look at some of these options they picked up. It almost seems like they are like they are basically like they're cutting some uh some salary like Felipe Martins we'll talk about him more in depth maybe in a minute whether we think he's going to be back they are signing certain players but they are basically giving any coach that comes in here who who wants a say in what team he wants they're giving this team they're giving him basically a base say here here here's your starting blocks you got your Paul Ariola your Julian Gressel Edison Flores Edison Flores we're going to give you Jordi Reyna you know, we're gonna give you we're gonna keep you know, maybe Kamara sticks around. I, I would I would bet a lot of money he's gonna be unprotected in the expansion draft. And if I'm Austin yeah, and, and, and if I'm Austin, I'd maybe consider him. Maybe sure. consider him as a as a option to say, hey, maybe you know, he can still potentially play. So um To that effect, I'd leave Reyna open as well. Yeah, probably I think Reyna, both Reyna and Kamara will be open and you can essentially protect other players. Um, that maybe you can sort of keep your depth, depth around and probably feel pretty confident that none of them are going to get taken because when you're a bad team, expansion teams don't want your players. Right. Uh, it's we just, get skipped a lot. I don't, yeah. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but we have been skipped entirely in multiple expansion rounds. Well, they took – who's it? Was it – um did uh, – I remember there was one time we got a player taken and then we were Mark Birch was one player that was taken from us forever ago, I think 2008. I want to say – I want to say it was the uh, – camp. I'm blanking on his name um, – the one who played for FC Cincinnati, uh, everybody, he was like a backup forward for. for oh, uh, Darren Maddox. Darren Maddox. Yeah, I want to say he went in the expansion draft. Maybe he was just his option. He was waived and his option was picked up. Um, but um, of course, all these players actually, the ones that are waived are going to go into the uh, to the reentry draft, um, which, which no one happen. which no one will sign in the first round because yeah. no one ever does. And then the second round, when the when the clubs have the all the leverage to manage down your salary you do not want to be a player right now this this coming year without a team a secure team yeah like you are you are in a world of hurt yeah uh, particularly with mls um chris adoyatsum uh received a bona fide offer i think and and i'll and i'll connect this one to the next one i think that odiatsum uh provided excellent what i i think i said on twitter he is a a very good right back to on a good team I don't think I don't think he's I don't think he's your starter. I think he's a very good fill in. I think he's got a skill set that is 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 really helpful for any team. And I think he's cheap and I think he's got a great story and I think the other players love him and that's awesome. O'Neill Fisher was had his option declined and I think that his op they they uh, sort of when 2 years ago before Fisher got hurt, Fisher was head and shoulders above Odiatsum. He was playing Odiatsum even before his cancer diagnosis. Was playing very little, playing occasionally uh, on loan, but not really featuring for the for the for the large team for the main squad. And I think after injury, he has not recovered his speed. His decision making is a little bit slow. Uh, he's had some games where he's looked pretty good, but uh, 
I think Ode Atsum has has the most important thing in a defender is uh, reliability and consistency, and Ode Atsum has it now, and and I think Fisher does not. And and I think it's also a case it's also a case of Ode Atsum being four years younger than Fisher. Fisher yep. is twenty nine right now, which is still not not an old over the hill player by any stretch of the imagination. But you could almost see Ode Atsum and Fisher as sort of right now and considering their careers on kind of the same playing field, almost the same level, like you're going to get, you're going to, maybe they have different, you know, pluses and minuses about them. But basically if you're looking at it from a purely who's better, you'd say they're about the same. And you have, you have Odiatsum who's four years younger. So there's room to grow there. There's room to say, Hey, maybe he has an opportunity two, three years of, of being a player where right now Fisher, you're looking at major injury, which is not his fault. It's, it stinks. Because he was really coming about to be, I think, a, a major player at sort of that right back position. Do you remember how he got hurt too? Yeah, <laughs> running into running into Bill, running into Bill Hamid. Oh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. unfortunately. So I mean, it's not his fault. It is a shame. Um, but I think you, the team's looking at this as we got a guy four years younger who's about the same level as this other guy who's four who's twenty nine. Let's you know cut the you know cut the older one and, and put the younger one. It, it's it's pretty much simple. I'm pretty sure it's simple as that. He'll catch on somewhere. I, I believe that. Maybe not in MLS, but he is a you know a national team regular still, despite mm-hmm. despite coming back from injury. So I think that you know if he wants to keep playing at 29, he's got to want to keep playing. He's clearly not done done. Yeah. Um, so I hope he finds something. Maybe USL. Maybe maybe he's probably higher than USL. I think that's probably probably unfair. An expansion team that's looking for depth, an Austin that's looking for depth could pick him up, and it would not be a mad move at all. Anyway, uh, next on the list, Mohamed Abu. Uh, there was some confusion, I think, from some folks on Twitter that did not realize he was on a loan from, I believe, from Ballaranga. Um, they he had an option. There was an option to buy his contract in the offseason. I will bet you that Valaranga said, you can buy it at the original number that we quoted you. And then we said, but his meniscus, it's, it now has a big hole in it. So we would like to do so for cheaper, please. And Valaranga said, no, thank you. And then he came home. That's, I think, how this happened. Yeah. Uh, it would have been it would have been great to keep him. You and I are both were both high on him for the very little bit of time we saw him on. His passing range was great. He was one of those. He has he's the he's got the Conte ability of being a guy that looks way too small to be as 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 stout as he is in the ball. And he was and he was that. Yeah, but you know, again, uh, you know, I'm looking. Anytime you have a team that's bad, you do look at these sort of options. Okay, where where can you? You know, extend that salary gap, extend that salary range. This team's going to have a a high draft pick, number three draft pick, I think we said, because you have Austin picking first. Obviously, it's a weird year. We're probably going to have uh, um, Travis Clark on the show. Very curious to see the breakdown of like how do you scout during a pandemic in college when no one's playing. Um, but I think this is all, this is another case where it's like. Maybe if they had, if they said, "Hey, yeah, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll take take a lower salary." Maybe he's here back here next year. Uh, but I think you know they're just like, "All right, no, it's not going to work out." So it is what it is. Um, uh, Earl Edwards Jr., another player that was cut. Uh, we, had, we had talked about potentially yeah. saying Chris Seitz, who is on more money uh, than Earl is, that maybe that's the guy you keep as a backup. Uh, they're talking to the Seitz about a, a rework deal, um, and they're not talking to Earl Edwards. I think that. Uh, unfortunate for him, he's not really played since he left Orlando. Yeah, um, he's played maybe two games, I think, in Loudon. He would have played more this year, I think, potentially if the players were able to go back and forth. They were not, so he just didn't play. So I yeah. think I think he's got to go catch on sometime, somewhere full time in USL and rebuild sort of his professional credibility. 
unless there is some sort of top goalkeeper prospect, which I think even then the team would probably pass because you have Bill Hamid and, and Chris Seitz, two solid members. I think you're looking at Earl Edwards. Thanks, but no things. Your second round draft pick goalkeeper. Look for it in the super draft. I think that's what you'll see this team do. That's what they've done in the past. I think that Simon Lafave from Loudon is a possibility to be the third guy. Yeah. So were they negotiating with him? I, I seem to remember they were negotiating with a keeper, but maybe it was. I, he's a, he's a, he's on a rookie deal, so he's at least under under control for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, we talked about Oniel Fisher, Felipe Martins. Okay. I think that, and and you know, anecdotally, like you know, the team has spent a lot of. Uh, lot of time in the public talking about his injury putting him forward as a media asset using a team has put him on different uh, mls shows as 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 a, as a guest all that sort of anecdote doesn't really mean anything but i feel like that if he is he's as options declined he's a player that was on a lot on a large number um when he was brought here and then last year he was on a large number i don't have it in front of me and they don't actually haven't released the numbers for 2020 i don't think um, due to the pan, due to the due to coronavirus, yeah, a lot of it was cut. So yeah. right, um, but he is a player that I would imagine wants to earn his way back on. He really seems to enjoy being here. He enjoys the team. He did not get his head down when he was hurt. He was you know stayed engaged. All the things that don't that are, are sort of not right on the paper say that he is committed to the team and the team's committed to him. I think if they can get him on a good number, knowing that it's gonna, he's not going to be back, I would imagine for the start of the season. I would. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember exactly what month he tore his ACL, and I don't remember if there was additional damage beyond an ACL. Um, but I think that if you're looking at him as a as a as a third guy in defensive midfield, that I think I think you can. I you will, you will struggle to do better than him for a third a third option. And and I think I think the nature is there. There's certain players, you know, when when you talk about a salary cap league, who don't get it, and they're like, nope, I, I want my money, pay me. Uh, I want that, you know, I, I'm not going to take a pay cut. And, you know, it, you have those players. Felipe Martins doesn't seem that type of guy. If the team is like, look, we need to, if we cut, you know, he, he wants, you know, he knows his his career is on its on its last legs. And he probably doesn't have, a, uh, if he goes to another club, there's probably less of a chance that he can play a significant role like he does here in D.C. So I'm sure if the team goes to him and says, look, you know, we can't pay you everything, but you know if we can maybe get that salary down, you know it's a perfect deal, right? I think I think they they, they they put him on a year, you know, cut his salary by thirty percent, and say show show us you can come back, show us yeah. you can play as well as you did before, fair, and then we can we can make something happen for twenty twenty two. But it's also a notion of you know, hey, let's if we cut your salary, that opens us up to get another player in here, and we can build like a winner. Sure, we can build a champion. Yeah, do, and, do you want to do you want to hey, spend your last couple a, years in a winner? Yeah, he's the type of player, too. You say, hey, you know, we're going to cut your salary for this year. You still want to play. Let's do it. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, coaching staff opportunities. I I would not be I would not be shocked at all is if they announced that um, that uh, like they did with uh, with with uh, Federico Higuain, that it's a player coach type type of deal. Um, They have done this where they they pay him a color side, say, all right, we're going to make it up. We'll pay you. You know, here's a five hundred thousand dollar contract. Three hundred thousand is that that's for playing. Two hundred thousand of that's for being a coach. He's only thirty, by the way. Yeah, I can so, still see it. I can still see it. I'm just saying, like we were yeah. very much talking at, like he's Fred Brion's age. I guess like, I guess he's been in the league so long that yeah. I do forget. So thirty is a little young. I he could, de- he, he could definitely bounce and get a new contract. Fair, fair yeah. point. Fair anyway, point. Uh, you know, and I'm in the bag for him honestly, and I think there's a lot of yeah. there's, a, there's a good there's a good section of the fan base who is like you know diametrically opposed to him when he got here and is now. 
in his, in his fan club. He went on the charm offensive, man, and it worked. Yep. <laughs> it worked. Yep. I think I think players should – there's a textbook example of how to do that. I think all fans should – or players should be looking at what that looks like. Say, all right, well, they, if I want them not to hate me anymore, that's what I should do. Uh, mm-hmm. Helman Rivas, uh, a player who surprisingly became – uh, not indispensable towards the end of the year, but I wanted him to start. And when he got hurt in the last game of the year, I was upset. Yeah. And I thought, well, now we're not going to win. <laughs> so that so that tells you how quickly he sort of transitioned from a player. He he got his goals toward toward the end of the year, um, but he's not expensive. Uh, he was on an international spot, I believe, which is a challenging situation. Uh, but I think it's I don't I don't I, I think it's possible you see him come back again at a at a, at a low number as a as a depth forward. Oh, very possible. Um, I, I could also see the same. Sen- I mean, this guy's bounced around all over. Yeah, the place. one year he's been a one one year one. He's so, like a Zoltan Steeper who's also been on thirty seven teams. So, so if there's another club that wa- if there's another club that wants to pay him the salary he's making at DC, somewhere else in the world, Sayonara, he's gone. Trust me. I, right. That this is kind of that's kind of how it's going to be. He's a Rolling him. Stone. Yeah. Um and, and you know, like I said, the team has a has a has a high draft pick. I, I look at him as potentially a position you look at forward. If there is a top prospect oh, at number three for forward, then we have not picked a forward in the draft so Blake <laughs> I think Blake Brett Schneider was the last forward selected. <laughs> Possibly, uh, yes. And that is a player that most of our listeners will not remember. But he is one of the few guys that gets drafted well, not few. One of the you know, not many guys that gets drafted by us, we cut and then he goes on to actually play somewhere else. He played for New England for a little bit after us, but usually once once you get cut from DC United, it's the end of the road for you. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, there's that. And then Axel Schoberg, we already talked about. Um goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> no, we we no, hardly knew ye. Another bit of player news that we didn't get a chance to talk about because we've been on a little bit of a break here. Uh Jacob Green signed a homegrown contract. Uh, with DC United, we I don't have the number of homegrowns. I think it's probably like thirteen or fourteen. Um, but uh, congratulations to him. I I believe, if I remember correctly, and I would have to consult the tapes, that when uh, Coach Martin came on at the beginning of the season last year, and we asked him what players he, we should be looking at, uh, in in addition to uh, Lundgaard and uh, Jeremy Gray, uh, he talked about Jake Green. So yeah. he plays left back. He plays right back. A, a position uh, we need a lot of depth in. I still believe you will see him mostly in Loudon if that if that is set up correctly and that team players can go back and forth between USL and MLS. Um, otherwise, I don't see him getting on the field very much, and I hate and I hate when that happens. As you, you we both do. And, and you know, it may not be related. But we'll get into the coaching discussion earlier, but it does sort of feel like DC is now trending towards what I think they should be doing, which yeah. is. Developing young talent, and we'll, uh, we'll get into this maybe with the coaching discussion. But I think that is that is the, if if you don't want to spend LAFC money, LA Galaxy type money, Atlanta type money, then you need to do what Philly did, which is you grow young players, you 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 build. DC is probably like Philly. Philly's a place where that's hard to do, especially when you play so far away. You know, it's it's out of the area. You know, but DC is the one place. Where if you look at who are the big who are the big DC stars of the last decade, Alex Ovechkin, young player drafted. Uh, you have uh, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper at the Nationals for a little bit. You uh, uh, who's the pitcher? I can't even think. Strasburg. Strasburg. So those are all young players that the team has sort of that teams in this area have sort of grown. John Wall, uh, Bradley yep. Beal in the, for the Wizards, and those types of players uh, the the city really embraces and really likes. And you t- look at DC fans. 
people, we talk about Annie Nahar, we talk about Bill Hamid, guys who come through the academy, guys who grew up with the team. And, and th those types of things are very special. And if we can sort of recapture that, expand upon it, be a better version of Philly. Do because Philly, what Philly's doing is not perfect, not perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but do a better job of that. And that's how you maybe build yourself up. You you become something bigger. And maybe you don't win MLS Cup. Maybe you never win MLS Cup. But at the very least, you put a competitive product that's an engaging product on the field. Um, so I'm, I'm I am I am hopeful. I know um, we've had Charlie Charlie Bowman on the show a lot. Charlie Bowman has talked about. He has a lot of those types of youth connections, and he has talked about for years that a lot of youth players have shied away from signing with DC United because of the coaching situation. I am wondering if just in a year playing Moses Nyman, playing Griffin Yao, playing sure. Kevin Paredes, if that maybe that narrative is going to start to turn a little bit, and maybe just getting rid of Ben is going to make more players say, "Hey, I'm 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 I'm, re I'm rethinking it," and having the the USL team, which I am super glad that. DC is not taking away because I, I think that that is going to be an avenue to get players minutes, to get players experience and to get them in, in the professional uh, to move up to the first team. And so. why, and why they are keeping them around is, is a potentially interesting question. Uh, and it may have a lot to do with whatever their, their contractual obligations are with Loudoun, the yeah. County of Loudoun. So it may, it may be, it may be a contract signed with them that is keeping them uh, in USL for the time being. And I think, you know, whatever it takes from a, you know, from a dollars and cents perspective, I bet you they wish they could cut, cut and run. But I think from a player development standpoint over the long term, it is absolutely a positive. In my opinion, it incentivizes them to say, okay, if we're going to spend this money to house this USL team, then we need to start getting results from it. And that yeah. means developing talent, developing players and, and selling them on. That's the nature of the game. I want to, I want to see, I want to see DC sell, in the next five years, sell a player for five million dollars. Yeah, that's my goal. I want to see that type of uh, revenue. Um, players, players that are getting one or two years in FC Dallas are going for that amount of money. Mm -hmm. So I, that is for sure where we need to be because it's not the money is not going to come from anywhere else. Your options are do that or or get rich owners somehow mm -hmm. that want to just light money on fire. I'm okay with that option personally. Yeah, if oh, you're yeah. going to ask me, that's fine too. But I think since we all know that it's not coming, this is what we need to do. Uh, you know, we, you you want to see Kevin Brede's go to a Bundesliga team in like three mm -hmm. years. That's what you, two to three years. That's what you want to see happen. Um, you want to see it, Moses Nyman. You want to yep. see my, and, and if that, you know, if those players developing that, you know, you can hit that sweet spot where they're all clicking at the moment and then you win a championship with that, all the better. Yeah, that's that's the that's better. the best of both worlds, right? That's what yeah, you, exactly. That's the best for the fans. <laughs> the yeah. other thing is the best for the team sort of solvency. And but those and those types of things, those types of things, selling players on, then suddenly money starts coming in. You can sort of then say, okay, hey, we've got an extra seven million dollars. Let's you go get, get a big player. Let's you get go a get Saint a Saint player. Jersey yet? Have you gotten your Saint Truden jersey or your uh, <laughs> your Ian? Hartz? I haven't. I haven't. Uh, money's been money's been a little tight, and we're coming up on the holidays, so I haven't been. I'll tell you what. I am annoyed by how expensive like non-large club jerseys are if you want to buy them from Europe. Uh, so I, I think it may have been talked about the show on the show before. I was looking for a Bari jersey. Bari is in Serie C. Uh, you, can, you cannot buy their jersey on any reputable site. If you buy it from their website, it costs, I, I think it's about $110 for the jersey. And then shipping is about another $100. Because I don't know, I guess they like hand deliver it with a staff. Like a, a guy flies out on a plane and gives it to you. So there, I, I, I think the the lowest team in Belgium is probably going to be a bit of a struggle to to grab. 
I, I think I looked, I couldn't get like a Durkin customization when I went, I went to the website at first and I thought I could. And then I think I couldn't. Or something and you don't like want to blank St. Trude. No, no, I, no. I, 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 I want the Durkin. It. I want the Durkin. I want the Durkin. Uh, the, I, I'm, I want to do that. Like I'm, I'm having an idea of like every time a DC player is sold somewhere, I'm going to buy like their first club's Jersey with like their name and number on it. That's going to be like my leg. And then I'll wear it on the show. So there you go. Yeah. Hipster, hipster play. Um, exactly. So let's let's talk about the other the biggest and most important thing that's happening for DC United. Uh, the player the player news was uh, in, important to some degree, but not a lot of surprises on a last place team, and we're kind of where we are. We thought we were. However, uh, DC United continues their coaching search. I will say as a quick aside, Ben Olson, if you're following him on Twitter or on on Instagram, is living his best life right now. <laughs> the man the man has has a Mack truck worth of weight off his shoulders. He is out with his family getting Christmas trees. He is painting really cool stuff. I don't know if you followed his Ben Olson art account. Uh, check it out if you haven't. The man is very talented, and uh, he seems like he's living all right. That's all I want to say about that. <laughs> he's probably so happy he doesn't have to do this anymore. Like he's got to be like. I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure. It, it, it very much with Ben, and we can. We, we haven't maybe because the season kind of was coming fast and furious. We haven't had a time to sort of eulogize Ben Olsen's coaching uh, career. Uh, it definitely seemed like he was doing this out of a service to his club, yeah. and it was not something that he he said. You know, if the team doesn't want me anymore, I'm not calling my agent saying find me a new job. Right. Uh, I, I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take. You know, maybe take my time. It very much seemed like he did this out of a service to 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 the club, and all, all the respect to him for that. Um, Which is he, amazing when you consider the raft of shit he got. Oh yeah, for for doing that job. Like I, I imagine, like every time he got that, it's like you realize that if not for me, you don't know who, who what kind of joker would be in here. Like I understand you're <laughs> un, unsatisfied, but I know I know the actual conversation. So he's gone. And, you know, Chad Ashton did a great job and the team responded and we're excited to see what happens next. But, you know, I, I think that I think it's it was a move that seems like it was the right move for everybody. And that's yeah. the that's the that's the best thing you can ever look at from from a separation of any kind of relationship is that everybody seems to be in as good or a better place than they were before. So happy for that. So where does that leave us? It leaves us still looking for another coach. So currently, according to Steve Goff today, uh, the the, the c- current coaching crop options are. Ezra Hendrickson, uh, a, an assistant. I, he's still an assistant in Columbus, correct? Yes, I believe so. He was yeah. formerly the, I believe, formerly the USL coach in Tacoma. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got no. That's Pineda. Pineda is the assistant. Pineda is the assistant at Seattle, but I think Hendrickson previously was the USL coach. Anyway, he's got I think eleven years of coaching experience since he since he left MLS. So the man of the options here, he's got the longest coaching uh, experience of any of the, of the options. Uh, Jill Ellis, previously, uh, obviously everyone knows her from the U.S. Women's National Team. That that seems to be um, that that that's that's sort of that's some air is out of the balloon on that. Yeah. I think there was a there was a quote that really knifed her. From, uh, Megan Rapinoe's book. Uh, I, I recommend you guys check out, if not the whole book, at least find this quote. But basically, it was saying that. Uh, Jill Ellis decided not to start Rapino because there was too much heat from her protests and then denied saying that and then put her in the game anyway. And it was just like, a, it's just like markedly like the worst decisions you can make from a management man management perspective she was making. Uh, and that is the criticism that she's gotten from, and, I mean, it's not good. And, and we're seeing she, besides the, besides 
her sort of some of her bizarre things she would sort of do with lineups on the field and, and everything like that. We are now seeing with the with the current current coach of the U.S. Women's National Team, uh, a, a coach that is doing the things that everybody has been saying Jill Ellis should do and being very successful with it. And the team is playing really well. Um, so that's 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 sort of the aside to that. The job um, is becoming very much one the the plug and play manager uh situation where you've got you've got you have all the toys like hey man just like put 11 of them out there you'll be all right <laughs> yeah just 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 do not do something dra- and i think that's what i almost jealous was like trying like i can i can i can do something weird and like unlock this team in a the new tinker, direction the tinker man she could use the rafa yeah and 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 literally this uh i, I i'm the the, the, the new, co- new coach is like flaco flaco is just like put him out there just here, here here's the best 11 Go out and have go out and play, and I guarantee you're going to be successful. And Ro- Roosevelt, of course, had a good goal. Sorry, yeah, back to the coaching. Back to the coaching. She did. We'll get to <laughs> uh, that in a second. Uh, so uh, next option here, and this is the option I think Ted and I are uh, in, in our darker moments are pretty sure that this is going to be the way it's going to go. Uh, Chris Armas, former New York Red Bulls head coach, former Chicago Fire player, I think also maybe an assistant coach there. Um, that that is to me the uh, that is the that is the zero. What's the word I'm looking for? Like the word where you like want to do well, <laughs> like aspiration. Like the yeah. Th- there's none of it. So like the no the no aspiration move would be Chris Armas coming in here and head coaching. It, it's the boring. You know what you you know kind of what you're going to get. Now I will I will have a caveat. I do think there's a lot of negativity towards his towards how he how he coached at Red Bull. And I think there is a argument to be had that maybe that was not the best situation to come into. You have a a coach in in uh, Jesse Marsh who is probably one of the best American recent American coaches we've produced probably since Bruce Arena, and then to step into that situation to step into the huge conglomerate that is Red Bull Football Group or whatever they whatever they call themselves that you know you are you you are essentially a cog in a machine. And I would, I would, I would temper the idea of if they hired him, I would be willing to give him another chance. I would not be excited about it. I would, there are at least two other guys on here. I would rather see, um, coach one, which we'll talk about next. Um, I think we mentioned him sort of the beginning. Uh, but I, I, I do think there's a lot of negativity towards his Red Bull tenure and I don't not sure that is exactly warranted considering the situation he jumped into. I so. would say this, make the case for Chris Armas over Chad Ashton. For me, just the idea that it's a. It, I I have said the reason I don't want Chad Ashton in the role is because I think this team could do with any sort of fresh, someone new, not associated with the club at all, not here for the past decade, coming in with some with some different ideas. Mm-hmm. And Chris Armas would bring that in a sense. So, so that, it is, that, it's that like is the Vladko. Problem. He's like the Vladko of the. It's like here is a new person by the nature of you being a new person. You will do better. You will do well just for the fact that you are a different human it, being. It, it's just someone di- – I feel like it's just been a lot of the same – I mean, even, even Chad Ashton is the same voice. He's been here even longer than Ben as correct, a coach. Correct, So it's it's even going further and further entrenched. And I just think this team could benefit from just a fresh voice, some fresh ideas. Maybe it doesn't work out, but I, I would I would take Chris Armas over, over hiring Chad Ashton. I, I can see that. I'm 80% yeah. with you. The 20% of me would say – with the same voice they've heard, the turnaround and play, the turnaround and play, even if it was a small sample size, was something that has to be in his favor, and it is why he is, continues to be 
in the mix and why he wouldn't have been tossed out like he would have been at any other last place team looking for a new coach. But yeah, we'll see. Um, Gonzalo Pineda, who is an assistant coach in Seattle, is the current favorite, I think, of the of the DC United Twitterati. Um, yeah. He is a play, he is a, he is a coach that has. I'm not sure what his level of experience is beyond uh, Seattle assistant. I have not had a chance to look at that. Uh, but there is a there is an idea that there's a you know everything with DC United always there's a strong desire to say how how can how can we tap into South America how we can t- tap into Central America not just for the fan base but for tradition being a native Spanish speaker being having 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 connections to that uh, to either either a particular location or just a, a culture and identity could be something that would be beneficial to the team overall. He's also he, he's a player where you are hearing. Players talk about him and they say he is a good, you know, when you have players from Seattle being like, he deserves an opportunity. He's just been an assistant, by the way, since 2017. So yeah, he has less, less coaching experience than, than a lot of the other candidates out here. Um, I, my, my wife is Mexican, so I am, I am partial to this idea, uh, mostly because I want to get my wife more into the team, um, and my father-in-law more into the team. So that, that's one way to do it, um, is, is to say, Hey, there, there's a, there's, there's a, uh, long time Mexican national team player coaching. Long time uh, Chivas player, long time. That, see, team. that might be a negative. That that might be a negative because my both my wife and father in law are Club America fans. So he's that, been on a lot. He's, he's on loan a lot, so yeah. he, he seems to have played for half of uh, Liga MX. So yeah, that's, that's what it seems. Not but, uh, not not America, but, uh, but, but I think so. There's the one. The strike against him for me is Ben Olsen was a player who came in, a coach who came in on the back of a of, of a of good playing career. Uh, and, and 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 proximity to the team and a passion for the team and had no coaching experience to speak of. Gonzalo Pineda has, like you said, three years of experience as an assistant. But like, but the the, be- the big benefit in, uh, that you said already is that the the players seem to like him mm-hmm. and they would not like for him to go. Brian Schmetzer apparently also still not under contract uh, with Seattle, and uh, uh, he's not being talked to. Obviously, he's still negotiating with Seattle, but that would be a great steal if they can get him too. Yeah, <laughs> that would be. I don't think. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I mean, I, I would say that the, the players talk about him as being potentially a great coach. There's a lot of the. There's some some media people out there that say he 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 knows the game. People who you know spend time with these teams. I I, I think he seems like the type of coach. Ben was kind of thrust into this into this role, and even Ben wasn't sure. He wanted to be coached. This is not that type of situation. This is you are going out and getting somebody who wants to coach. Who right, wants to be he is already so, coaching. So Ben, ben that, was being dragged can, off the dragged off the practice field. Yeah, <laughs> screaming. So that, they're like, "Okay, I'll coach one." Yeah, that 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 is sort of the that is sort of the difference between Ben and, and Pineda mm-hmm. or any of these any of these options really um, is is whether they want to be here or not. So um, and Pat Noonan, the other another name that's uh, been dragged up, maybe a little less. Exciting. Um, very good player. Uh, very MLS, good player. Assist King. Um, very, very good player at, in New England and, and other stops, but really New England is the time which I remember and, him. And I do I do want to push. I want to push oh, against. I think I'm Steve Ralston. Sorry. Yeah. Pat, Pat you know, he's been around for a while, though. Uh, been around. He's been a Galaxy. He's been a Galaxy assistant 2013, 2016. U.S. assistant. I think I think that was probably I have to imagine that was during the, the Bruce Arena days. Four four years, so beyond, yeah. yeah. But um, I I will say that there is a notion, there is a notion um, from some fans who are, uh, you know, resorting into their negative ways that the only coach that's going to come here is going to be the guy who takes the least amount of money. 
I'm not going to say that DC is out there going to be out there spending, you know, going to say have a blank check. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the case. And we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> yeah. But um, I do, I do push against that notion mostly because regardless, I mean, there's a reason you would have never thought four or five years ago that San Jose uh, could hire the coach, could hire the coach that they did. But they went out. Uh, they went out and got him, and he was a longtime league uh, Max coach guy who had been, you know, uh, had had coached and been successful. Um, and I think that the uh, I, I think that is something that the idea of coaching a a professional side, a a big side, MLS is is one of the larger leagues. I mean, there's there is still a. A uh, Matias Almeida. Sorry, I was blanking on the name, but Matias Almeida, longtime coach, hugely rising star. They really got him sort of under the rim. So, so the notion that you you need to be a club that spends money to get a good coach, I've never I've never really ascribed to this idea that this team is going to get the guy that takes the least amount of money. I think they're not going to you know get the most expensive coach in the world. I don't think they're going to get you know you know uh, a big time coach is not walking through this door. But I think it's more mm-hmm. of a situation of they are going to get they they are trying to get this decision right and just because they take a coach maybe not the least expensive doesn't mean he was the least amount they're willing to offer if they want a guy i think they i think they could negotiate the salary to get it to where they want it to be and they and they should do that um and so that that's where i sort of i, I swear i push back against that notion i know it sends a lot of frustration with ownership a lot of that i i i think they will they will not settle right now with the coaches who are interviewing and the fact that there are not a lot of open professional coaching jobs because the pandemic is probably forcing some coaches to stick around who might otherwise not be here um that's just the nature of a pandemic and everything like that yeah teams are not interested in paying coaches to not to not coach for them yeah unless they've got a lot of money to burn exactly exactly There, there there have only been two clubs so far that have fired their managers, and I believe that's been DC and Atlanta. Those are the only two in MLS that I can think of that fired their coaches. Everybody else held on to their jobs. And most people in USL, I'm sure, held on to the jobs. So that's I mean, that's the notion of this idea that there's there is a lot of supply out there. DC, at the very least, I am so happy that DC is going out. The crop of coaches we have heard are at, it's not a Dom Kinnear, it's not a Dave Sarakan, it's not a, a retread. It's up and comer. It's it's all these coaches who have not been in the league very long. They are they are going out. They are going outside maybe their comfort zone on on, on some of these guys. I was so preparing for Dom Kinnear to be announced. Like <laughs> I was I was very much ready for that. I was I was ready to just like drink myself to 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 a to a slumber <laughs> at that news. Um, and I'm not hearing his name. I heard it once maybe in the beginning. Not hearing it now. So I'm, I'm very encouraged by that notion. So. Yeah, and then the last one is a bit of a canard, I think, potentially. Normally, Pablo's reporting, I think, is uh, you know second to none. Uh, there's a report this week that uh, DC United was in conversations with uh, Rodolfo Burrell, who is an assistant at Man City, uh, and that Burrell wants to come here. Specifically quoted, I think, by sources close to the matter, say Burrell wants to come here and it's being seriously discussed. Now, will Burrell be extraordinarily expensive probably not extraordinarily expensive mm-hmm. he would be certainly more expensive than any coach we've ever had by probably a factor of two or three uh think about i don't know how much dom terrain cost new york city fc he, he was in house so probably not a lot. <laughs> you're right good point it was a it was a uh, internal reassignment versus yeah. a external guy um and it's actually funny 
I, I think Adam Taylor uh, was talking about it on Twitter. I I also remember him being sort of a failure for the team, and that was actually the season, his one season there. I believe it was one season, maybe it was two seasons. He had New York City's highest point total in their history uh, under his under his management. So anyway, uh, reporting from Steve Goff today says that two sources close to the team say it's going to be someone domestic, um, that, that this sort of thing was a lark. You never know. It could still happen. But Goff seems to be throwing cold water on the idea of, of DC United signing Manchester City's and, assistant coach. And, 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 you know, it may not even be a case of Rodolfo not wanting to come here. It may be a case of Man City being like, you're not talking to him. Sorry. Sorry. He's under contract with us. He, we like him where he is. You know, Pep, Pep just got signed an extension, I believe, for Man City. Yeah. So it's a question of, you know, some of those some of those managers, I think some of the managers like that are okay having their assistants get a chance. Some of them don't. Some of them say like the reason I succeed is because you are you are here with me and I will pay you very well to never get a head job. Jose Mourinho used to do that all the time with Chelsea. They were put, you know, he finally let people go and they all start, they were all head coaches elsewhere like extremely quickly, but it- and this is a coach where sometimes the money is not necessarily important, more of the opportunity. Rodolfo is looking, if you look at his tenure, it's been, you know, Barcelona, U11, U16, U18 coaches, you know, Liverpool, U18, U23, you know, the Academy Technical Director, head of coaching from 2012 to 2014, the Man City. So these are guys who have always been like either assistants or youth coaches. And then they have an opportunity to go be a like a first team coach. It makes sense for him. It makes sense that, you know, hey, you know, yeah, I might not get paid as much, but I'm going to a position where I can, you know, have a chance maybe for some other opportunities where I can prove myself that I can be a successful coach. And that opens up other doors and other opportunities for me. Yeah, and, and he's doing it in a... In- and what will be to him extremely out of the spotlight. So it's sort yeah. of like a, it's practice in the backwaters of, of world soccer, basically. He's 49, so he's not a baby, but he, he's, he is now, I think, in his point where he wants to probably start coaching a team if he wants to coach a team. I mean, look at that record. You're just like, you're just being shuffled around, assistant coach, youth coach, and you're like, I need something. I need to do something different. Otherwise, that's going to be my entire tenure. It's just going to be, you know, nothing wrong with that, but that I mean, that's going to that's be my entire. Uh, my entire tenure, uh, you know, I have I have a I have an example um, with uh, with uh, David Bulow and the kickers. It didn't work out for him, but he he had a choice between being the Richmond kickers coach or he was also rumored to be uh, being hired by Greg Berhalter to run the entire U.S. a huge part of the U.S. youth 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 program. He took the option to be a professional coach in Richmond. Now, some of that was also he lived here. He had a home here. So it was like, you know, hey, I get to stay local and I get to try out this thing. It didn't work out for him. Maybe if he could turn back the clock and he knew right. the outcome, he might have made a different choice. But, you know, that that is a powerful draw to 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 take a job to become a professional coach because that is that is the top job that you want. No one talks about the the youth coaches. No one talks about the assistant coaches. Everybody talks about the guy in charge, the guy that gets the press conferences, the guy that gets the interviews. So... Um, that, that's I push back against the notion that it's just going to be whoever DC can get the cheapest. I don't think that's necessarily the case. It's I think it's more more complicated than that. However, if on if they do get Chris Armis, that will be the perception no matter what. Yeah, Anybody exactly. Says. It will be. It absolutely <clears throat> will be. Um, yeah, and he will I, likely I, be much cheaper than the other options. That's yeah. He's very I think very eager to get back. I think it's a fight. It's it's a lot. It's a, the narrative is a lot different as a fired former head coach than a, than an assistant coach that's ascending. 
Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a completely different conversation you're having in those interviews. So, yeah. Either way, I think it's it's exciting to have a, a new perspective come. It's I don't think it's going to be Chad Ashton. So no matter what, it's going to be a new days, and that's exciting for any for any fan base to say, all right, well this, this is we wanted this, and now we're going to get it. Here, the thing that's good about this, if you have an assistant coach like Pat Noonan, and he comes in and he sucks, and the team's bad, you can, you can fire him. Yeah, like you don't gotta you don't gotta hold on to him for ten years. Like you don't you're not invested in the Pat Noonan show if you if you if you hire him and he's bad. So that's the good thing, is that you have you have flexibility uh, in the long term. If you hire someone like Burrell, you're making a commitment to I think probably a and has and he has sold you on it and you have sold him on it of a project for a, a couple years to say you have authority here here and here and that's why why you you've chosen to come here for good a you want to be a head coach but b you want to exert you want to make sure that you do well so you want to have your fingers in the pie so yep. i think that's i think that's something to consider too if you have a pat noonan or a chris armis uh player player acquisition choices will still not sit with the manager yep. uh it will it will be as it will be as it has been um you want to go to the U.S. national team setup? Let's let's go to the U.S. national teams. Uh, we can talk. We got men and women's. We got. Let's start. Let's start with DC related. This is the DC related show, and and if Roosevelt was still a, a spirit player, we might be talking a little more U.S. women's team. But sadly, she is not. Um, and we are we are a DC DC focused show. So, um, but the U.S. men's national team call ups: Paul Riola and Bill Hamid called up. Uh, good for them. Uh, the U.S. men's national team breathing some life and some hope. I, I'm hopeful John might actually be more interested in the in the U.S. men's national team. Maybe, maybe, maybe. we'll see. <laughs> I mean that game. I mean, I, so we talked a little bit about this game, and, and it's been a, it's been a while. But I, I watched that panel. I didn't watch the Wales game. I missed. I had business. I couldn't couldn't get get to watch the Wales game. I did watch some of the Panama game. You chose the right one out of the yeah. Two. I did. I did choose choose the right one. Yes, that was not a great Panama team. Not a great Panama team by any stretch of the match. Yes, defensively they made some. There was yeah, some you don't want to give up two goals to the, the the B squad of Panama. That's that's true. It was also kind of a weird wide open game. Some of the, the goals they scored, the passing, the movement, yeah. the press, all of that is something we have never. I don't care who you are, never ever seen that in, in a U.S. men's national team, and that got me excited. Mm-hmm. That got me excited about the young talent we have. We have we have. I remember they released. A, I think it was um, Croatia. I think I want to say it's Croatia. Whoever was whoever lost to France in the World Cup, and they like showed a picture of like their lineup, and it was only the logos. Of like the professional teams they played for, and it was like Liverpool, Barcelona, Juventus, all all those big names. Yep. And now it's like we have that mm-hmm. mostly. Like we have our midfielder, starting midfielder, plays for Juventus with Ronaldo. We have a right back that is now starting for Barcelona. We have, you know, obviously Christian Pulisic when he's healthy, playing really really well for Chelsea. We now have that type of aspirations, and we got players that are sort of coming up in the pipeline. Yep. I'm looking forward to Moses Nyman, you know, going to the Bundesliga and 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 playing somewhere. So the talent level, the youth talent, it was so much that now like you can have a all European squad in in a camp when during a pandemic, and you can fill out a roster. Mm-hmm. You used to not be able to do that. It was still maybe five or six European guys, and then heavily MLS. So the talent level is getting there. And finally, in that Panama game, I think I saw this is a this is a squad that is now there's a defined direction of this of this team now that there hasn't been in a long time. I you know I, I still think Burhalter. This is the first time I think I saw Burhalter seem to connect with what he's trying to do and that is a good that is a good thing because for the first year or so I was very unconvinced that he was going to be able to do that but you know 
it's good 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 for him and and i'm excited i'm excited for the national team and i haven't been for a long time it's been a long time since i've been this excited i will say i'm probably in that same boat probably not as excited as you but i will say that there was a time around the jürgen klinsman era when I was bristling at the idea that you had to go to Europe to, I was I was an MLS fan at that time. Mm-hmm. In addition to being a DC United fan, I'm now just a DC United fan. I don't really care about the league as much as I used to. <laughs> I really don't like. So I think it's actually great that these players are going and finding opportunities at the at the top top level at the best teams. I think that's great. That's what all these players should aspire to. I want I want Paul Ariola to leave this team in a year or two and go do that as well. I think that's I think that's what you want overall and then you want to find the next ball and then move that process along just like you want to do it um but the uh, to your to your point the passing was a lot more exciting than i remember this team being for quite a long long time um uh, landon donovan era team and that's been a while so i as far as the offensive movement in the box uh and players it, willing it's to never, try it, stuff. It, it's always been even in the 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 golden years of of soccer you know the 2002 i think maybe that game against germany everybody talks about as being the game where you saw this team play a play a a defined style of passing and moving and really outplay germany in that in that in in that in that world cup uh quarterfinal um but you i i you was it was always a defined counterattacking style they were going to defend 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 and then they were going to catch you on the break with their skill guys like Dempsey and Donovan that that is the nature of how they played for so long um then they had the Jurgen Klinsmann era you all guys know I dislike Jurgen Klinsmann with the passion of a thousand sons he absolutely ruined this team in more ways than one and anyone giving him credit for this uh deserves to have their soccer thoughts uh removed from them because he deserves little if any credit for this in my opinion uh if, if you if you want to talk about who deserve maybe deserves some credit uh look to the guy the youth coach look to the houston dynamo current houston dynamo coach as a guy who maybe deserves some credit for for uh for getting this team in, in, in into club world cup into youth world cups getting them the exposure they needed getting them onto these european teams where they could develop and get better um, Jurgen Klinsmann absolutely was backwards for the side. He is responsible in a large part for the lost generation. I I, I will rage on Klinsmann uh, because people want to give him credit, and yeah. he deserves none of it. Well, I will none say so. The the none the good, of it. The good thing from a use of the United States players' perspective is they are still relatively cheap in the global market, and that's why these players, particularly in a pandemic, where now these fair. players also fair. So these these teams are, are are realizing in a money ball style the value of these American players, putting them forward and seeing. I think there were a lot of people scratching their head uh, when McKinney was bought by Juventus. I think he may be on loan actually with an option to buy. Whatever it yeah. is, there was still like a where the hell is he going to play? Like what are we doing with this? And he's played very well for them. Yeah. And I think I think that as teams continue now the FC Dallas route, uh, the Philadelphia Union route now even as saying these are not we're not going to be the world's best league. We are a selling league. Let's do that. Let's make this money back. Um, I think now teams are being like, all right, well, we'll look at MLS. We'll look at your 16 and 19-year-old players. We don't care about anybody really above that. But we'll look at the young guys that haven't had a chance to become who they're going to be yet. And then we'll give you four or five million bucks, which to us is like the budget on on the soda machine in the <laughs> training facility. We're like, sure, great. And But to FC Dallas and DC United, that would be big. So yeah. uh, the, the world market is actually benefiting these young young players and they're taking advantage of it and they're also coming into these they came into that game the Panama game with just unbelievable amounts of swagger like there were there were there were players being it's taken it, on yeah. 
they're just like, I'm going to, I'm going to shred you. Like, I, I, do you know who I am? <laughs> do you know who I, I'm going to completely embarrass you and turn you inside out. I could maybe play a square ball here and then just run, but no, I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us to the end line and take the soul out of your face. That's what yeah. my, that's my plan. You like to see it. That's great. I mean, that's exciting. If nothing else, it's, I think it's, it's fun to watch. It, it is fun to watch. It is fun to watch. And, uh, we, we, we can uh, – it, well, be, it'll be fun to watch the World Cup qualifying once that starts up. That was the most animated you have heard me about the U.S. men's national team for the duration of this podcast. <laughs> and if you've been talking to me before the last two years, probably the last four or six years, that was probably the most. Uh, women's national team, not too much to talk about. One game all, all for 2020. It's good. Again, it's very good that Rose Lavelle was limited to 30 minutes. Uh, or 60 minutes in the last game to play for the Spirit because she had to be ready for a U.S. national team game. It came uh, four months later, I believe, three months later now <laughs> against uh, the Netherlands. And she and she apparently has been playing for Man City. I, I haven't. I, She's been I, playing I, as a I've, winger. Yeah, and, I've been and, trying and to watch those. Great. I've been trying to watch those games um, um, when I when I can. And they, I, they, I thought they were going to be all on like the Peacock service, and they're not. Some of them are on. It's, the problem for you probably is they are early. They are seven to eight eight a.m. starts. Yeah. Yeah. And they're on NBC Sport and NBCSN. Again, as a as a as a newish father, I'm up. I'm seeing. I'm awake for those. Oh no, never never a doubt in my mind. You're probably <laughs> you're probably uh, refereeing or something. Potentially, it's over now. So maybe I've got some some more time. There's just uh, a lot of soccer to watch. There's there there is a, a near infinite amount of it. Near infinite. We've um, talked about it all the time about how we're in the golden age of uh, soccer consumption here. And, and everybody really still, and everybody still complains about they it. Um, but yeah, a, a good a good win for the US, two nothing. Great goal from Roosevelt. Solid win again, you know, and that and that's the team they played in the World Cup final. So that that is the their 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 competition. And they they didn't look perfect, but they didn't need to be. And that's that's the where we are right now with the with the uh, with, with with the US women's national team. They Audrey very, Bledsoe very, and Ashley Hatch who made the team did not make the bench, did not make the game. Um, Aubrey Bledsoe, I'm sorry. Um, kind, of, kind of surprising. Um, Ashley Sanchez did not make the team. Uh, I was a little bit surprised, I guess, that Hatch made it and Ashley didn't. So um, that, that, was a, that was a little surprising to me. Yeah, uh, I, I cannot imagine a universe in which Ashley Hatch is starting for the national team yeah. with, with the depth. I mean, I, I think that potentially that, depending on where you're going to play Kristen Press <clears throat> and then where sort of where Alex Morgan is in her recovery uh, from delivering a baby, but also yeah. sort of just being off a long time. That's probably what caused her to be brought in. There's just, there's just so much talent at that front end of the roster and um, everywhere and, <laughs> and everywhere and everywhere on the field. Like I said, you know, the, the crazy thing about the U S women's national team is like, you look at Cindy LaRue. She was the, uh, my, my wife is a huge Cindy LaRue fan. So what, what happened to Cindy LaRue? And I said, she honestly, had a million babies. <laughs> yeah. She had, she had kids and there are the U S national team is if it were any other team in the world, if it were Canada, she'd be starting. And they would, they would England, be waiting for her to come back. There'd be yeah. like a countdown clock. Yep. But there's not for her. It's just not going to happen. Probably it's, she's probably done. Yeah, she I I would say I think I think that's it. Maybe maybe she can work her way back into the team, but I mean that's just that's just the nature of what it is and, and how good this national team is. There's depth all over the all over the world and 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 literally any player you spend maybe a year where you're not on the field and you're not Megan Rapino or Alex Morgan, you're probably uh, in, in jeopardy of losing your spot. And, and she that's had two and she had two kids in 3 years. Yeah, which is crazy. And then also, she I mean she came back to play for Orlando. She would have been playing had Orlando not gotten a million cases of COVID right before uh, the the NWSL Challenge Cup. But uh, she did get to play a little bit in the fall series, and I believe scored um, quickly. And NWSL like five seconds of that. The expansion draft happened. Uh, the Spirit lost no players of note. 
So that's great. Uh, and also, uh, Louisville took the rights for Tobin Heath and Kristen Press, who are playing in at Manchester United right now. <laughs> so interesting move. Certainly not going to, co- it's not going to come through fruition for this year. They're going to stay at least for next year. Um, I think probably for the full duration of the season. They, they may come for the second half of the season. I'm not sure. It's but, a, it's it, it, it's a lot of it's a lot of let's just take a flyer on this player and and see what happens. I would assume though, in with the talent available elsewhere, I w- I would maybe not try for the home run. I would maybe try for the bunt. Yeah. <laughs> I would ma- I would make sure you get on base here. Uh, and then also to the uh, NWSL note, they're keeping the Challenge Cup this year and using it as an in season sort of like mini tournament. Which I think is interesting, and I think that's something that will people. I'm, you know, speaking for Ted and I, we love the hell out of the NWL Challenge Cup. Oh, yeah. I would, I would say, I would still, I would still say maybe fifty percent of it though was the sports desert that we were living in at the time. Mm-hmm. But I think the other fifty percent of it was it was a perfectly executed tournament, and the play was at a very high level compared to maybe some of the other leagues. But compared to the Orlando MLS bubble, which the play was not as good. It was it was still it was so much fun. I guess the the fun the fun factor in it, it, particularly when the MLS it was like you had you had U.S. soccer on every single day. It was like every there was games going on all the time, and it was like a it was like a period of of time where there was just you had a game you watch you could watch one game oh I can watch this game you know it was it was it was fun it was, the sports desert it was just like a lot of games and same with the, the MLS's back tournament. All these tournaments feel like they were like a decade ago. I mean that's yeah. how like. How weird things have gotten, but I mean, those were all just fun executed ideas. I would like to see MLS come up with a way to execute something like that again. I'm not sure how you would do it, but yeah, I think the NWSL has the benefit of not not many teams, so you you don't have to schedule as many games, so you have more space. They're they're playing like 35 games, um, and I still believe that they have a Champions Cup in there as well. Yeah, at the end of the season, so they're. They they definitely uh, depth is important on NWSL roster with call ups with injuries with the amount of a million games you're having yeah and the spirit have uh, I just just today locked up uh, Tori Huster for two years uh, and I think that they have eleven players now under contract for for the upcoming season they still will need to make a number of moves and we'll talk about them as the off season continues sort of give them a real yeah. a real look see but uh, the draft is going to be big for them they've got two first round draft picks i believe this in the in this draft so yeah so a good Stay opportunity to, a good opportunity to grab some players and, and to sort of build build a squad around that um playoff mls playoff madness uh the mls playoffs prove again that making the decision to go to a single elimination game i'm sorry jim curtin this is fun I like I like my I like my soccer when it's hopped up on meth with bad defense, um, and that's and that's and that's and that's what we have had uh, for uh, for for the duration of this of this tournament. There there were some sneakers last, last yesterday's uh, Nashville Nashville Columbus game, game was not the most enthralling game in the universe. Uh, it was not fun to watch, but um, you had San Jose uh, San Jose game San Jose game is like the complete antithesis of that game. Yeah, it it was that that game was fun, and it was it was Chris Wondolowski with the final goal. Obviously, we have the Orlando NYCFC referee snafu. Um, I yeah, I, I would I would contend at the very least they got the call right eventually. Um, <laughs> with enough chances, they got it right eventually. They got it right eventually. It didn't look good. There was no excusing that. The the nature of the rules, though, and I think it seems to me I'm, I'm having trouble. I kind of read some people. I'm like, so what are you what are you angry about? Are you angry at that the referee correctly interpreted 
what the current laws of the game we are playing under, which is not his fault, that the re- the keeper left his line very, very clearly, was on a yellow, and received a second yellow. That is the correct interpretation of the laws of the game. It was a absolutely dumb, dumb, dumb IFAB rule. I hate it as a keeper. I hate it as a referee. It, but they interpreted that correctly. So if you're mad about that, and you're mad about that the fact that they're playing under those rules that's not the referee's fault they're there and, and they do it because you have to be consistent in a season you can't decide oh ifab's made this change so now we're going to change the rules i mean there's a reason they do it this way the only way you can fix that is by changing when you play your season uh, and that's not going to happen anytime soon but yes the notion of should a player be then should they be allowed to sub on a goalkeeper should they be allowed you know all of that a mess if they had at least held and said okay, which one is it? And literally have somebody pull up the IFAB rules really quickly. They have it on an app. Oh, it says, no, you can't do that. Okay, don't, sorry, you can't do that, coach. Um, it was it was a mess. They're not refereeing anymore. They did get the call right eventually, which is which is the good part. Uh, speaking as as a referee, I, I, I feel bad for those referees that they are embarrassed. I have, I have made bad calls myself on the field as a referee. No referee is perfect. I feel bad for them that they screwed up that badly. And I have always contended that MLS referees are not as bad as you think. You just get mad at their mistakes much more than your, than players. Um, I've contended this for a long time. I think pro has done a good job at weeding out. There were so many bad referees in MLS. There were countless embarrassingly bad refereeing and pros come in and they have actually, there's still some holdouts every time, uh, uh, Oh God, who's uh, Ted? I only know his name is Ted because he has the same name as me. Anytime he's out there, I know it's gonna be a bad. It's gonna Ted be Uncle? a bad. Ted Uncle, yeah. Anytime Ted Uncle's out there, you know you're in for something for something special. Um, and he is somehow still getting assignments. He's the only one I place. But like you know, you look at you look at the the crop of referees. There, there's less baffle in this. This is the first time I think in a while I've seen something so baffling bad from a referee not named Ted Uncle, um, in a long long time. So um, it's the nature. It's the nature of 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 the rules, and it's a shame. But um, Jim Curtin, of course, had comments about how he hates the the, the single elimination. And I'm like, well, yeah, tough. you would if you're the supporter shield winner and lose in the first round. Tough. Yeah, you would like not. Like I, it. I'm like tough, and I'm sure a lot of coaches have the same bag because you basically have to play a do or die situation every time. So that can't be good for your blood pressure. That can't be good for your heart. One mistake, pretty much, you know, can can basically cost you everything. Um, but if you're the last, if you're the second to last place team in the league, and you're just watching this as a neutral. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, if we make it back to the playoffs next year, I'll probably feel less. I'll be more sanguine about it. But we, it yeah, I would still feel the same about it. It's, it's <clears> fun. It, it brings excitement to the league. It brings more moments. The, and the this problem, league needs it. And they definitely need TV drama. So it, The problem with the two-legged system is that, yes, you had your occasional one, maybe one series out of the playoff. You would have you know, your, your exciting series. But a large majority of them were horrible because you had – one coach playing the first leg if they are the home team. You know, they're playing very defensive. They're not trying to make mistakes. You just can't lose. You can't lose that first leg. And then you go at them in the second leg. And it just it just led to some of the most banal and boring soccer you'd ever seen in your life. This is fun and exciting. It's interesting. There have been so many overtime games, so many penalty kick shootouts. Those types of things are fun and enjoyable. And I want my soccer fun. I, I would rather... I would rather watch bad, fun soccer than good, boring soccer. Um, I, I've always been about that. You know, the, it's good. That's why you're an MLS fan. 
There can be great technical soccer that is just boring, boring, boring to watch. And you can watch those types of games. I'd rather watch. I, I Entertain me. And I, am, I am here for the entertainment. I am not here to watch great, great soccer. So that, that's all I'm about that. So um, we've got, of course, the games Tuesday and, uh, Tuesday and Thursday now. They moved up that game so they could make it on the Fox schedule. Western is still trying to figure out their conference final. The East is set. Columbus and New England. Uh, never bet against Bruce Arena in the MLS Cup playoffs, I think, is the lesson we've all learned there. Uh, incredible how you look at coaches who were of yesteryear, like Dominic Kinnear, like uh, like Frank Yallop, um, like Dave Sarakan, who were staples, who were you know title winning coaches, who now no longer have jobs or either getting assistant jobs. Uh, and you look at a coach like Bruce Arena, who just continues. Uh, he he is he he is in his ability to adapt and changes. He's he is the Bill Belichick of, of MLS. I think it's now clear. Uh, that his ability to sort of adapt and build a team and figure out, find ways to win championships, no matter the rules, no matter how the tournament's organized, no matter the, how the league has changed, he can do it with a amazingly high budget. He can do it with a modest budget now. I think that's clear. Uh, and he can and he can be an asshole in uh, press conferences. So. Oh, he is absolutely so very Bill Belichick. He is an asshole. Let's be clear. He is not a fun individual. Neither is Bill Belichick. But Bill Belichick goes out and wins games. Um, so we just need to get him a hoodie with cut off sleeves and then exactly. <laughs> give, him, give him the door. He's coaching. He's now he's now like he he is in the same building as him too, yeah. which is kind of funny. So. Um, Maybe he's getting. Maybe he'll even get worse. But um, but but yes, <laughs> infinite respect. Uh, I believe there what weren't. So I tweeted this out, and then I thought, was there was I? What I did I imagine that? <laughs> I had a feeling once you tweeted it, and like a million people questioned it. I had a feeling like you were like, did I? Is that a fever dream? Yeah. If I, it is, I, we have the same fever dream. So yeah, the, the, there was some talk. I, I it wasn't reported, but it was more. It was after Bruce Arena's comments about coming back to Audi Field. He was asked about what it was. I think it was his first time. You know, he's like, "Well, there's no history here. Yeah. Like, what's this? You know, I don't care." And there was rumors that he had he had actually approached the team and said, "Hey, I want to come back to coaching. I want to call you guys. I want to, you know, come back to DC." And the team was like, "Nope, we want to stick with Ben." Um, so, you know, that at the time, many fans would have said that is a horrible mistake. Even I would have said, "Maybe you listen." <laughs> I mean, it's it's Bruce Arena. If you have a chance to upgrade, I say you take it. And you say, "Oh, thanks, Ben, but uh, we're gonna go with we're gonna go with this." It guy. is it is a bit, you know. I do remember that being reported. I do, in hindsight, I feel like uh, Ben and Bruce have a decent relationship, and I think it would be interesting. Bruce sort of sees Ben as as a as an acolyte of his, even though he never was under him as an assistant. So that would be interesting. We'll, we'll never know. And I think that may, maybe even though that was like the scuttlebutt, I still think maybe that was probably maybe not necessarily the way it went down but i do remember it being said and he would have been a better coach to have and we'll wish we had him back but we don't so let's uh let's hope in the next two weeks we'll have our new coach yeah and we will have to uh, because it will likely be an assistant from another team we will likely be having to do a lot of research <laughs> about something we don't know about yet um so we'll we'll see when that happens and then we can start to to, to fixate on 2021 which will be starting in march i believe is that the is that what that, that's started? that's that's the rumor hopefully hopefully we hopefully we get this pandemic we can actually go to a game remember probably, we went, by the end of the we, year i think i think i think probably by mid to late season i think there's a good chance of that today i think today they were saying maybe may for for non at-risk groups. I, I will say i will say probably by april and may you're going to have a limited sort of a limited <clears> crowd situation season ticket holders maybe only at dc games by june july you know if the vaccine is rolling out the way it's looking like it is 
I, I could see by June, July, us having, you know, full crowds back back in stadiums. So. You got to have a clean COVID test sheet and a thermom and a temperature below 90, 98. And that's how they, that's how they screen you. And then you can come back. Maybe that's yeah. how we'll do it. Yeah, it'll <laughs> be knows? interesting. Who knows? Who knows, man? 20, 2020 was beyond nuts as far as soccer goes. So. And, be, and <laughs> as far as everything went. So, as far as um, all the things. All right, y'all. I think that's going to do it for us. Uh, thank you guys so, so much for listening. Thanks for joining us on this audio experience solely versus uh, versus the call-in show that we have had every week for, I would probably say, a year almost. So uh, tell us if you like this better. Tell us if you prefer not to look <laughs> at our faces. <laughs> I think I think we like the call. We, 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 I don't know we if can we'll mix do... it up. We'll mix it up, particularly we'll in the off-season. We'll, we'll mix it up. During the off-season, there's no games. There's no you know call-in. We might... You know, we might do it for the coach announcement. We'll see who it is. If it's Chris Armas, maybe not. If it's someone else, maybe we'll do something. And as, as I, what I always used to like to do on these audio ones, if you're still listening at the end of, I think now we're past an hour, I want you to give us a review on iTunes and just say who you want as the as the next coach for DC United. And that'll, that'll tell me mm-hmm. that you actually did it. And it also will give us another five-star review, hopefully. Only, only do it if you like us. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, y'all. Thank you so, so much for listening. You guys are awesome. We will probably, I imagine our next podcast will be back once the coach announcement. It sounds like it's coming soon. So that's probably going to be our next podcast. Uh, I don't know if it'll be next week. It might be the week after. We'll see what happens. News news travels fast. Thank you all so, so much for listening. Catch you guys uh, in a bit. Vamos. A brand new twist with my whole heat on my stick So low-key that you probably missed it But yet it's so loud that it stands in the crowd When the guy takes the beat, they bowed So raise up, squire, adjust your attire We have no time to wallow in the mire If you're on a foreign path, then let me do the lead Join in the essence of the cool I breed The cool out to the music cause it makes you feel serene With the birds and the bees and all those groovy things Like getting stomach aches when you gotta go to work Or staring into space when you're feeling berserk I don't really mind if it's over your head Cause the job of resurrectors is to wake up